This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I choose to believe what it is that you have promised me and exalt him in that moment. So what that does is it, it, it exercises your faith. It exercises what it is that you believe so that you don't end up with small faith and you're down to your last few, you know, squares of toilet paper. I know it's weird. Go with me on it. So today I want to talk to you guys about having or what faith looks like in a crisis, what it looks like when things are challenging. And so if you look at your notes there, I believe uh, Psalms 46, maybe 46 one isn't on there, but it's on the screen. It says right here that God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. We could have read that and been blessed and left. We can leave right now and know that we're blessed because he's our refuge. He's our strength in times of trouble. So we will not fear uh, when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred, uh, sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in the city. It cannot be destroyed for the very break of day. God will protect it. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, and I thank you, Father, for this time. And Father, as I've always said before, Lord, I just pray, Father, that I will do what it is that I do, but Father, we trust in the Holy Spirit today. We trust in Him because it is, it is He who speaks. It is He who convicts. It is He who helps. It is He who guides. It is He who has the ultimate answer. And so today, Father God, we just trust and lean and rely on the Holy Spirit, Father God, to speak into our lives, help us, show us, and instruct us in what it is that you would have us to do, the things that you would have us to change, Father. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus said that challenging times, that they'd come to all of us. You know, um, as you look there in your notes, it says in Luke 21, verse 9, it says, and when, they, and, and when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Don't panic. I think I, I maybe underlined it in your notes. Don't panic. Yes, there, there, these things must take place first, and then the end won't follow immediately. Then, he added, nations will go to war against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and plagues in the land and there will be terrifying things. But let's focus on this last part. Great miraculous signs from heaven will be during that time. So we need to focus on the fact that, that there are going to be great and miraculous things happening. The question is, are we going to be a part of that? And, 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 and that is dictated upon if we have faith for that, if we believe. And we'll see as we go that, that faith is, is absolutely vital in order to be uh, have that to be a part of our lives. Uh, in your notes there, John 16, says that I have told you all these, this so that you may have peace in me. So if you're a person today and, 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 and there's not much peace in your life, here's a great promise for you that we can have peace in him. Here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And then finally in John 14, 1, it says, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in God and also trust in me. And so, you know, times like these can cause a lot of doubts. They can cause a lot of questions like what's, what's going on? But today I want to talk to you about what, what your faith looks like through this, through this and, and in this, uh, that you can rise above it. You don't have to live in it. I know that we are in this world, but we're not of it. 
So we can rise to another level. We can, we can look at uh, the Word of God and how Jesus operated in, in challenging times, and we can see that, that our faith can cause us to live on a different level. You know, crisis reveals the true character of a man. Crisis reveals the true character of a man. And I was kind of thinking about this, and I'm going to tell off on myself. We took the boys out here for uh, uh, his birthday, Andrew, uh, to celebrate his birthday, and we were in the boat. And this storm comes up, and the wind started blowing, and I'm, I'm standing on the dock, and I'm trying not to get pulled into the lake. I'm trying to get, you know, and it was so funny because Rachel told me after the whole incident, it got, 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 got kind of hairy, Daryl. got real, real hairy. And so finally we get the boat out, we get it on the trailer, and one of the boys, I guess, told Rachel, she's like, well, that escalated quickly. So I guess, you know, crisis reveals the true character of a man, and I guess my character when it comes to loading boats out of the water is not the best. All right, we'll continue to work on that. But you know, Proverbs 24.10 says it this way in the Message Bible. It says that if you fall to pieces in crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. And so, you know, the thing is, guys, is that, I, you know, when it comes to my daily walk, okay, you know, maybe I can't load a boat out with, with wind blowing, but when it comes to my daily walk and my trust in Jesus and my faith in Jesus, I want to be firm. I don't want to be the person that falls to pieces. And we see a lot of that going on right now. We see a lot of people that are falling and, and, and struggling and they're, they're not doing well. So what is your response when it comes to all of this? You know, it, you know and, and that's the reality of it is, is that there's so much more to it than just physical illness. You know, there's, there's, there's other things, you know, that this has been affecting. It affects finances, it, it affects colleges, it affects education. We, we're seeing that. So how is it that we respond in, in this? And so my first point is um, that, that, that we have to keep our thoughts in check. When it comes to our faith and when it comes to what it is that you believe, if you, if you want to remain solid and firm in, in the troubling times, number one, we have to keep our thoughts in check. You can't play the what-if game. How many of you guys have ever, don't raise your hand, play the what-if game in your mind, right? Here recently, uh, I went out to jump on this mower and put it away into the shed, and my daughter uh, has been mowing with me, and, and uh, she had been driving it around, and not, but, but mowing with it. So I jump on this thing, and I turn the key, and I start it up to go put it in, and there's this big blinking exclamation point. Bang, 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 like staring me in the face. And, all, and I mean, right away, I went to the what if. I was like, I'm pulling this thing in, and it's not a cheap mower. I mean, it's a diesel, and so I'm thinking, my gosh, what, you know, what could it be? It could be? It could be this, and it could be this, and it could be this, and what if it's this? And my goodness, what if it, what if it damaged the motor? You know, I'm pulling it in the shed. That's, that's my thinking. I'm sorry, that's just who I am, okay? I, that, it's blinking. I'm like, what is it? I'm wondering what it is. And, I, and I'm like, well, I don't know, you know. And as a man, you know, you don't get a manual out and look at it. You just begin to continue to think, what if? What if it damaged this? And so I told Rachel, and she, you know, she's real laid back. She's like, it's okay, you know. She didn't say it that way. She's just like, it's, it's going to be okay. But I, in my mind, I'm just still thinking about it. So the next day at work, I go, and I'm talking to Dad. I'm like, yeah, you know, the light came on. I put the thing away. And he's like, well, that's probably okay, son, you know. And he goes, you know, maybe it's just the, the screen in front of the radiator. And I'm like, no, it couldn't be that. Why would that bring the light on and it cause it to flash? I mean, it could be, it's probably way worse than that. 
So I go home a few days later, and I go into the shed, and I lift up the hood, because I'm going to figure out why this thing's blinking. And I grab the screen, and I pull it out, and it's full of grass. So it's that what-if game. You know, now you guys are judging me. Like, I would never do something so stupid as that, Brian. I mean, that's just ridiculous. All you had to do was check the, the grass in the, in the radiator, right? Okay, there, Mr. or Mrs. Dr. Google, right? <laughs> you guys have some kind of infirmity in your body. The next thing you know, it's like, oh, I got a symptom. I'm going to Google that symptom. And you're Googling the symptom. And the next, you know, here's the deal. You will Google yourself to death. It doesn't, I mean... If you have a hangnail, it leads to this, which leads to this, which leads to this. And, and you know, so if you're a doctor Mrs. or Mrs. Google, you're playing the what-if game too. But we can't play the what-if game. We can't allow ourselves to play the what-if game. In your notes there, it says if we allow our minds to go unchecked, our faith will always be sacrificed at the feet of fear. At the feet of fear. And we don't want that. We don't want our faith to be sacrificed by, you know, the, the, the allowing our mind to just take off and, and begin to believe things that not, are not true. Because the thing is, is that the devil will plant one little seed in your, in your mind, and then he'll just kind of help you here and there, and he'll kind of push you. And the next thing you know, you're in this place where you're not in faith, but you're actually in fear. And so we can't, we have to keep our thoughts in check. And if we let our minds run their course, they take us to a dark, the darkest place possible. It'll, it'll, you know, if, if we just leave them unchecked, we'll go down this course where, where we end up in a place that is very, very dark. You know, faith believes what is impossible. It believes what is impossible is possible. Fear believes what is possible is impossible. You know, and so fear and defeat and, anxi- and anxiety, they will attempt to, you know, that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's try, trying to attempt to inject those things, fear, anxiety, worry, into your thought life. And we have to stand up against it and say, no, we should, this is in your notes there, the next point is, is that we should never calculate the conclusion without God being a part of the equation. You know, as uh, this past week I was reading, uh, you know, in Genesis, or I'm sorry, it was in Numbers, and I was, it was, I was looking at the story uh, where the 12 spies were sent into the promised land. Actually, we've kind of been looking, about this, looking at this in youth, uh, and we've been talking about, uh, we talked about Joshua and how we're in the series with legends and how these people in the Bible, and we look at them and we think that they're legends, but really they were just ordinary people. They were ordinary people that God came to and said, you know, they wanted, God wanted them to do something. And so they began to take steps of obedience, and, and we look at them as legends, but if you look and look, and look closely at their life, you realize, well, they're just ordinary people, just, just following God and obeying God. And, 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 you know, when I think about this point where we should never calculate the conclusion without God being a part of the, que- uh, the equation, I think about the 12 spies. Because, you know, Moses sent, spent, uh, sent the 12 spies in to check out the land, right? And you guys remember, the 12 spies came back. And it said that the 10 spies, they had a, an evil report. It was, it was not a positive report. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of things that you said were true, Moses, but, but we can't do this. The people are too big. The cities are, are fortified. There's no way we can do this, right? So for the 10, God was not a part of their equations at all. But Joshua and Caleb, it says, that, but it says in, in the Bible that Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit about them. They, they said, yeah, it is true. The people are big. Yes, it is true. 
that the, that the cities are fortified. But our God is with us. So God was a part of Joseph, or I'm sorry, Joshua and Caleb's equation, right? That, that was their number one denominator in their equation. It's like God will, he's watching over us. He wants us to do this. He's going to be with us. He's going to protect us. He's going to help us. And so they had him a part of the equation, and we must too. Look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We, used, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. I want to pause right there because right now we are in a time where there is a whole lot of human reasoning. There is a whole lot of false arguments. But as believers, man, we have to be grounded in what the Word of God says. We don't war with, as it said here, as humans with, you know, with our hands or, or anything like that, but it's a spiritual battle that we fight. And I, I tell you, we will fall prey to that reasoning. We will fall prey to those false arguments if we do not remain steadfast in our spiritual health and our spiritual well-being. It goes on to say that we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what's that saying? It's saying that we can't, we can't just let every thought come in to our mind. Because the problem is, is it could be false. It could be false reasoning. It could be things that, that basically exalt themselves above God. We have to examine and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this, this thought, this thing that I'm, I'm even entertaining, it goes against what the Word of God says. And, 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 and ask ourselves, what kind of life is attached to this thought and bring it into and capture that and say, no, this, this, this does not match what God's word says. Look at what it says here in Ephesians 6.10. It says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in the power, in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you are able to resist the enemy in the evil time. Then after the battle, you will stand firm, standing your ground, putting on the belt of truth as your body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from God the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And so we're talking about faith today. The shield of faith is what you believe, right? And so, so there's going to be things coming at you. There's going to be reasonings and imaginations and ideas that the enemy is, is hurling at you day in, day out, about your kids, about your marriage, about your job, about, about the things of God. And the question is, is, is are, have you put on and picked up all the armor that he's talking about, the shield of faith? Because the shield of faith is what, what you're blocking. It's like, nope, that right there, that, that's not of God. It says, I, you know, I don't know who holds the future, but I know who holds my future. And so when it comes to this, it's like, I know that when I'm doing these things, he's going he's gonna to watch over my life. Isaiah 26.3, it says that we keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. 
all whose thoughts are fixed, fixed on you. So my question is, is what, are your, what are your thoughts fixed on? Are they fixed on the device? Are they fixed on the video that you watched? I mean, I, hey, listen, I'll be the first one to admit. There's times where you watch a little too many videos. You begin to fix your thoughts on maybe things that aren't necessarily bad, but they're not of God. They're not, they're not the word. They're, they're man's ideas. They're man's reasoning. And so you, you, you just kind of fall into this trap where you fix it, and next thing you know, you're watching another video and, you know, or, or reading an article or listening to you know, the radio, and, you're, and you're, it's this constant, constant man's reasoning which does not build faith. And it just it plants seeds into our lives that may or may not be true. And so the question is, 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 is does the Word, are you allowing the Word to filter what it is that's coming into your life? The thoughts, the ideas, the suggestions. Is it filtering? I like what it says here in Matthew 4.35. How many of you guys remember the, uh, where Jesus was, had been preaching all day? He'd been preaching all day, and they got in the boat, and what did Jesus do? He went into the back of the boat, laid down on a pillow, and he's sleeping. And, and here, you know, here are the disciples, you know, they've been traveling with this guy. I mean, they've been listening to him teach, and they've been watching him heal people, and they've been doing all these things. And then what happened was the storm blew up. I mean, we're talking water's coming in. They're, they're, they're taking on water, and this boat is about ready to sink. And I can, I can imagine, you know, you know, being there with one of the disciples, is like, no, you wake him up. No, you wake him up, right? No, no, you wake him up. Right? You didn't want to be seen as the, the guy that woke Jesus up after he just preached all day and he was super tired, you know, and, and, and you wake him up. And probably some other guy just walked in like, we're getting ready to drown. Jesus, you need to wake up. There's a storm. So what did he do? He got up and it says that he spoke to the storm. He didn't say, Father, can you, can you I can't believe this. We're sinking and, and I really need your help. He, he didn't do that. It says that he spoke to the storm. And so that, that is an example. He was trying to bring an example for, uh, for the disciples to say, listen, you need to speak to the situation. Speak to the circumstances in your life. He was trying to, to, to show them. But look what it says here. When Jesus woke up, he said to the waves, silence. Be still, and suddenly the wind stopped. I can remember years ago, Steve was there. There was a tornado. I walked out the side of this, or I walked out, you know, I was going out to, I don't know, probably ride the four-wheeler. I'm walking down the sidewalk. I look over. I was like, huh, look at that. It's swirling. There's mud swirling. I was like, I was like you know, I'm pretty bright, pretty quick, real quick. I was like, you know, it's been raining for two weeks. That's mud. That's not dirt. That's mud that's swirling. I run back inside. I'm like, hey, guys, I, I think there might be a tornado outside. And then mass pandemonium took place. Everybody ran to the basement. Then Greg, you know, he grabbed a, grabbed a camera. He's like, we're going to go get this on film. <laughs> he runs upstairs, and, and we ran outside. We're looking for this thing. I know, it's not real smart. <laughs> we look out, and sure enough, it, it had hopped the house, and it was in the field, and it was taken off. And I can remember, just like it was yesterday, we had this stump that was cut off. It's about two feet tall. We're watching. We're all standing there watching it. And all of a sudden, it kind of looked like it was kind of trying to maybe come back. It's like, well, it's, like it, it's getting bigger. 
was coming closer, and I can remember Dad. He got up on that stump, and he, he started talking to this thing. He's like, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And he commanded this thing to, to not come back to our house. Now, you can laugh, but listen, I was there, and I have a witness sitting back there. And he's a big man, so if you want to argue, argue with him. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Jesus was saying, speak to the situation. He was trying to exemplify this too and be an example to the, to the disciples. I, I believe, I really do believe that Jesus probably, he, 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 he didn't have a sleep problem. Man. He's probably faking it. He's probably laying on the pillow thinking to himself, I wonder, I wonder if they will do what it is that I have been teaching them. And he was probably got up and just annoyed and just spoke to the wind because it goes on to say, look at what it says right here. Then he said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Man, if I was one of the disciples, that would have been discouraging. I'm sorry, Lord. Why? Why? I don't know. But, but it goes on to say the disciples were absolutely terrified. <laughs> and so instead of being ashamed that they didn't have faith, gosh, I know, Lord, I'm sorry, Jesus, that I didn't have faith and I didn't speak to the storm myself. What did they do? They were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? And they asked each other, even the wind and the waves obey. So have you, have you, have you seen miracles? Are you experiencing power in your life? Have you watched demons scatter? That's what these, these disciples did. They watched all of this take place. They watched miracles. They watched people get healed. They watched demons, you know, being, you know, loosed from people. Jesus was exemplifying and being an example to the disciples to do that. And he wants us to do the same. So the second point that I have here is how do we respond in a crisis? Number two, we walk in the authority that has been given unto us. And I mean to tell you guys, if, if you don't hear anything I'm saying today, I want you to hear this that you have authority as a believer. Well, you, and you might think, well, I'm not, I'm not important. I haven't gone to school. I haven't done this. It doesn't matter. You're a believer. And, and, and authority has been placed on every single person that is a believer. The question is whether or not they'll walk in it, right? We got some guys in here that are police officers. If they, authority has been placed on them. But if they don't go out and, and put, on the, put on the stuff and operate with, under the authority of the law, well, I guess I can't do that. No, they, they've been given that authority. And the same thing is true for us as believers. We have been given authority. Look what it says here in John 14, 12. It says, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. This is Jesus talking. He's like saying, listen, the same works, if you believe, the same works you will do, and even greater works than I, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name, and I'll do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So what's Jesus saying? Jesus is like, listen, I, you've seen me, but if you believe, if you believe in me, and if you believe in my power, you will do greater works. So that is how we should be operating. That is how we should be walking our, in, our, in our everyday walk in great confidence that all of heaven backs you. Jesus is Lord over COVID. Jesus is Lord over viruses. He's Lord over cancer. He's Lord over pain. He's Lord over all of it. The question is, just as Jesus asked here in John, do you believe it? I think some people, pe people believe it, and some people don't. 
But I want to be in the group that believes it. I want my faith to be strong in what it is that he promised to me. And I want to walk in that. I want to do those greater works that Jesus said we and I could do. Matthew 16 says, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, and others say a prophet. Then he asked them, this is Jesus talking. He's talking to the disciples. He says, but who do you say that I am? And that's really kind of, you know, when you, when you really sit down and you think about it, who do you say that Jesus is in your life? Is it, is, it, is it that first answer? Well, you know, some say this person, some say this person. Pastor Mike says this person. Pastor Brian says this person. The guy that I listen to online, he says this person. The person that I really enjoy listening to, this guy, he's really cool. He says that's who he is. That's not faith. Faith is who you know Jesus to be in your own personal life. It's not who, who I say that he is. It's who that you, the revelation that you have received in your own heart about who Jesus is in your life. Because it goes on to say here, Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon of John, because the Father uh, in heaven has revealed this to you. So this was Peter saying this. Uh, Peter said, you're, you're the Messiah. Peter answered Jesus and said, you're the Messiah. Peter's answer to Jesus' question, who am I? Peter's like, man, you are the Messiah. And Jesus went on to say, Now I say to you that you, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church and the power of hell will, will not conquer it. Now Jesus wasn't saying that he was building the church upon Peter, right? But he commended Peter because of his faith. He commended Peter because of what it is that Peter knew. Peter knew Jesus. He had walked with Jesus and he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And so it was through the knowledge that Peter had, he commended him on that. And I believe that that's what Jesus wants for us as believers. I want the, that, that Jesus to commend me. Brian, you knew me. And I hope that you do too. The gates of hell will not prevail against a church. So number three, what's the third thing we can do? We can release the power of prayer. Now, prayer, you know, sometimes people just, they, they, they take the lie that's like, you know, well, so what you're saying, Brian, is, is that we can pray about this whole situation and, and things can be changed? Absolutely. The devil doesn't want us to pray. That's why he's putting us, you know, he's, he's saying, what's the point in prayer? What's the point in, you know, a little church in the middle of Oakland, Iowa, out in the middle of nowhere, praying for a national and a global, quote unquote, pandemic? That's what he wants you to believe. Why? He wants you to believe that so that you don't pray. Because when you don't have faith that, that, that your prayers will be heard, that your prayers will be answered, you won't do it. John 8, says this, though, about the, the, the devil. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the devil's things. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies... It is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the devil is going to tell you, your prayers are worthless. Your prayers are pointless. But Jesus is saying that he hears us, and the truth tells us that, 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 that our prayers do work. I like what it says here in James 5, 16. In the Amplified, it says that the heartfelt 
and the persistent prayer of a righteous man. How many people in here are righteous? Anybody? Yeah. You are a righteous. We have righteous men. We have righteous women sitting in this place today. And it says right here that a heartfelt and a persistent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So when you come to that place and the devil is whispering in your ear that there is no point in praying about your situation and your right here and now, your, your personal life or over the, 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 the world, you need to say, no, 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 no. James 5.16 says that, that I'm a righteous person and that my prayers availeth much. They accomplish much. When we put it into action, it's made effective by God and it is dynamic and it can have tremendous power. Look at what it says in the Passion Translation. The tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. And I believe that we have a room full of godly believers. And at the end of this service, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to know that, that, that there is tremendous power available. And when you walk out of here and you go into your, your you know, daily life, and you're driving in the car, you're in the shower, you get out of bed, or you're laying in bed, whatever, you can pray. And there's power. Now, listen, if you are laying down and you're half in and half out, half asleep, half awake, okay, there might not be much power available. Okay, I would just encourage you to maybe get up and walk and pray, okay? Then you have your right mind about you and it's like, okay, I'm gonna pray in faith, knowing that the word of God, that there's tremendous power available in my prayer. So don't lay down, you might fall asleep. So it's kind of like this, you know, when it comes to prayer, I was thinking about this that there is tremendous, it's telling us that there's tremendous power. And I think sometimes we don't, we don't have a good picture of what power is. I can remember, you know, uh, we just had 4th of July and we went to the fires workshop and they always get you for buy, buy one, get four free. What? Uh, that is like a scam, right? I walk out of there, I spent way more money than I needed to spend on fireworks. They're still in my garage, right? But anyway, that's beside the point. Sorry, that's just a side note. You know, you buy those little things that you throw on the ground. I was going to bring some and throw them on the ground, you know, pss, 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 right? But they wouldn't do it on the carpet, you know? So I could have thrown it on Tom's forehead or something maybe. But, you know, it, there's not a lot of power there, right? You throw it on the ground, pss, right? But as a kid, I can remember, you know, you move up and you get into the, the, you know, the black cats. They got a little more power, right? Then they had those M80s for a while, right? I, I was, I'm kind of younger, but some of you older people know what the, the M80s were, right? You could throw those and they just really blow up, right? So when they didn't have M80s, when I had to, I had, I was going to bring a thing because I know Daryl likes, likes the, the illustrations, but I thought that might be getting in trouble. But when I was in high school, you know, you're kind of looking for that thing that has more power. And so we would make these things, they were bombs, that basically you take little foil and roll it up and put it inside of a two liter bottle. Uh, Brian knows what I'm talking about. And I won't tell you the secret ingredient because I got too many kids in here. I wouldn't want them going home and doing this. But you then pour this liquid into it. And shake it up. Put the lid on and run. I mean, you run fast. Because there's power in this. Right? And that's, you know, so they would blow up. And then I had a friend who was really crazy. And to this day, I don't know if he has all his limbs, but... He would put acetylene in a milk jug and then he would take a long extension cord, he would expose the ends, put it into the milk jug, he would reel it out <laughs> and from a distance, plug it in 
Boom. If I had a grenade, which I did, I wish I did, grenades are what our army guys carry. And they throw grenades in to do what? Blow up rooms, blow up stuff. We're talking about power. We're talking about your prayers. We're talking about that he says there's tremendous power. Now, I can tell you funny stories about illegal things that I did all day long. <laughs> they weren't illegal. They were completely under the, uh, you know, they're totally legal. But I'm trying to illustrate this idea that there's power in your prayers, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, you can't, you can't carry all the, all the stuff to make the bombs that I built, okay? But you can carry a grenade, right? You can pull the pin, throw it. And when you pray, that's what you're doing. You're, you're pulling the pin in faith, and you're throwing the thing into that situation, and you're like, some stuff's going to happen. I'm going to back up, and some stuff is going to happen. What is that? That's an expectation. That's a firm belief. That's an understanding that, that just as we are told in James that it is going to accomplish much. Now listen, you might have to throw a second grenade in there, right? Because you got a few people, or I shouldn't say people, a few things or situations that need to be addressed, that need to change. So what do you do? You pray again, throw another grenade in. It's the effectual, fervent, continuous prayer of a righteous man and woman that avails much. So don't believe the lie that the enemy is going to tell you that your prayers are worthless or your prayers are pointless because they're not. And so if you can't, if you remember anything, just remember, foil in a liquid produces great power, okay? So when you question your prayer, it's like, you know what? No, Brian said you put foil in you this, you put it in a two-liter bottle, there's lots of power. If you come up here, give me a $5 bill, I will give you the final ingredient to those. I'm joking. I will not do that, parents. I promise you I would never do that. I'd be a terrible youth leader. <laughs> okay, so Mark 11, 23, or 11, Mark 11, 22 and 24, it says, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say, you can say with your mouth, be lifted up, thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe Look what it says. I should have underlined it. You must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So just as we saw, you know, Jesus in the boat, he's like, listen, speak to the storm. He's saying right here, speak to the mountain with your words, with your prayer. You know, pray for healing. Pray for, pray for what it is that you need. Speak to it. So, you know, once you've prayed for it and you know, it's like, man, I know I got it. I threw the grenade in there. Then you just speak to that situation. I thank you that, that that person, I have favor with that person. I thank you that, that I have that job or I, I'm going to get that job or whatever it is that you need to change, begin to speak just as he tells us here in Mark 11. So that leads me to the fourth point that I have right here. And it says that we reach outward rather than retreating in times of crisis. What does faith do? It reaches outward rather than retreating inward. You know, I likened it here a while back to, I talked about Joshua and Caleb. In that very same situation, if you read through Numbers 14, if you read down the chapter, he, the children of Israel basically are complaining. They're saying, remember that God was not a part of the equation. 
And it's just crazy to me. We were talking about this on Wednesday night because when you look at the children of Israel, it's like you just scratch your head. Because God, God had such great promises them for him. He, he told them through you know, Moses and different people. He's like, listen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you, you know, a pillar of fire to fo- you, know, you can follow and keep warm at night. I'm going to give you a cloud to you know, do, be your scun- sunscreen during the day. Everything's going to be good. And they're, they're on this track. And they get to this place. And they tend, send the 12 spies in. And they come back. And, and they have the audacity to be like, we, sh- we should have stayed in Egypt. We should have, we should, I wish we would have died in Egypt. I wish we would have died in the wilderness. That was, their, that was what they said. That's where they were. They were, they were the, and, 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 and I think the point that I'm trying to make is, is they got to the place where they're like, you know what? We need to find a leader and go back to Egypt. And that to me is retreating, right? It's just like we reach outward rather than retreating. And I tell you what, in times like this, you can be tempted. The devil's like, he doesn't want a person that knows that there's great power in prayer. He doesn't want a believer that knows that they have authority walking out in this earth and in this world today and, and, and taking the message that is in this book and in your lap to the people that are in this world. He doesn't want it to happen. He wants us to retreat. He wants us to, to go back. He wants us to be like the children of Israel and retreat. But we can't. We have to reach outward. You know, so we have to look for opportunities. I mean, it, 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 it's just in your day, daily walk. You just have to be, Lord, I'm, I'm open. I'm looking for opportunities. I'm not going to retreat in fear because of, of, of unknowns. No, I know. I know that your hand of protection is upon me. I know that, yeah, there might be a virus out there, but you said that you rebuke the devourer for my sake. So when I'm walking about and doing my thing, I have a hedge of protection and, and your hand is upon my life. And Jesus took stripes for this. So I don't have to, I I walk on a different level. I operate on a different level. Each and every person in here can do that. You can confidently know that your God protects you. You can confidently know that that he rebukes the devourer for your sake. And we have been redeemed from the curse. I mean, I, I I say that to myself every day. I've been redeemed from the curse. I've been redeemed from the curse. I just continue to talk to myself and I've been redeemed from the curse because I know that I have. And so we have to look for opportunities. Kind of got off there. Got to look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to help in this time where people, maybe they don't have this understanding. Maybe they don't have this knowledge. Maybe they're just, they're just not there, right? They got the toilet paper roll with a few, a few things on it. And that's okay, right? We're all at different, we're all at different places and that's okay. But as believers, we need to be there to help we need to see that opportunity. If there's somebody that needs prayer, we need to say, hey, if you want to hold my hand, I can, you can hold my hand, but let's pray, right? Take the opportunity when it, when it comes, because you'll get a little nudge. It's like, hey, it's like, oh, I need to pray for this person. I know somebody, you know, that uh, because of everything that's been going on, uh, they've had issues or not issues, but challenges in child, child care and, and the school and, you know, they have one kid and they're, they got to go for four hours and all this. And so what they do, they stepped up. They said, hey, we'll help you because they want to help. They, it was an opportunity to be a blessing in somebody else's life. I got a picture here. Uh, here a couple weeks ago, we were in Council Bluffs uh, going through McDonald's with low expectations and... Uh, Got our stuff, driving out the thing, and we're driving down the road, and there was a lady. She had a backpack, two backpacks on. And uh, Rachel looked at me, and I looked at her, and I'm like, we need to go talk to her. 
So we turned around, and it was about supper time, and so we're like, let's just go buy her supper. We'll, you know, we can take her wherever she wants to go. And so we just turned around, we drove back, and we pulled over and, and asked her how she was doing and, and, and asked her if she needed some, you know, something to eat. She had just eaten, and so we were you know, unable to buy her something to eat. But, but I said, Rach, just go pray with her. And Rach had the opportunity to just talk to her and ask her what's going on. Basically, she's just traveling. She had something happen in her life that was, was, was not cool. And, uh, and so she was just searching, looking for, you know, we don't know where she was going. She didn't tell us. But it was an opportunity to just pray with somebody. And she said that she was a believer. And so, uh, you know, Rachel didn't pray for her to be saved because she didn't need to. She was saved. But what, she just took the opportunity to pray with her and encourage her and, 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 and say, hey, we're just praying for protection for you and, and, and that God, God will guide you and help you and strengthen you in this time of your life. And that was it. Nothing, you know, you know, and I think sometimes it's like we have this expectation that we want to see, you know, fireworks or, or, or something like that. The point is, you just take the opportunity. Look for the opportunity, take the opportunity. And, and know that you're going to plant a seed in somebody's life. You might be watering a seed. You might just be a part of the, the process in somebody's life. But it's, it's, it's up to us to be looking for those opportunities, taking advantage of those opportunities. We can't just be walking through life like this and just, you know, got our headphones in and we're just going here and going there and we're not paying attention and we're not looking at anybody else's, you know, what the countenance of anybody else is because we're just like trying to protect our, ourselves and in our world. That's not what Jesus did, man. He was, he's going about looking, looking for opportunities, looking for people that were wanting to receive from him. And he brought that truth. And so that, that's what we need to be doing is, is looking outward rather than retreating inward. And finally, or not finally, we've got two more. Don't get in a hurry. Number five, Jesus shines brightest in the darkest of times. Jesus shines brightest in the darkest of times. John 8, 12 says that I am the light of the world. This is Jesus saying, I am the light of the word, world, and if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. It's tempting to retreat. It's tempting to pull inward. And, and, and you, know, you know, in times like this where, where uh, there's just this unknown thing, it's like we're tempted to retreat. We're tempted, you know, maybe, maybe you could be tempted to, to not give financially because you're just unsure about what it is that's going on. You know, I was reading this week about uh, Isaac. Isaac and, and Genesis, he was, he, it was in a famine. It said that he sowed and received a harvest a hundred times in a, in a famine. My, so my point is, is like God, God is watching over his word to perform it in our lives. If we will just be obedient, if we will just put, you know, God told Isaac, don't leave. And I mean, I mean to tell you, if you put yourself in Isaac's position, it was a famine. He could have left and gone down to a different region where maybe there wasn't a famine. He could have retreated, right? Like we talked about. He could have retreated and tried to get away and get away from the famine, but he didn't. He moved forward and he stayed put and he followed what it is that God, and God took care of him. And so that's my point. Like even in, 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 in this time, it can be tempting, but you got to know, and, he, and we've been shown time and time and time again, that he, he takes care of his kids. He takes care of each and every one of us. And so don't retreat, but move forward. And then finally, now we can do finally. Number six, on your notes, for all you studious people that are going to get an A in class, 
We stand united as a family of believers. You know, this past week, uh, we got to go up to, uh, go up to our ARM AI uh, district meeting, and we got to just be with other people. We got to be with some other believers, some other pastors. And I, I got to tell you guys, it was, just, it was just, it's just a blessing to be with other people of like precious faith, right? Because there's just a unity. There's a bond. There's a, there's a you know, you know, they have, they, you know that they have your back and you have their back. You do just about anything for them. There's a, there's a guy that I met years ago. He serves with my brother-in-law. His name's uh, Mike Patterson. And uh, man, this guy has just been as faithful He's probably one of the most faithful people that I know. But man, every time I get to see him, man, he's got this smile and face. And he's so encouraging. A lot of times he'll send me, you know, a text of encouragement or I'll send him a text of encouragement. But there's a unity. They're united. It's like, you know, we're together in this. And, and the same thing is true in this body of believers, in this church, in this family, in this local place. We have to be in this time, we have to be united. We're not against each other. We're for one another. I'm for each and every person that's in this place. And, and that was really my prayer for today is just that your, your life, your faith, no matter where it is, I, I don't condemn anyone. There's some, of, some that, are, that are farther along in their faith journey. They, they, they walk, on, you know, walk on a different level because they've, they've learned to trust God more. There's some that, man, you're just new to it. You're trying to learn. You're trying to grow. And so I guess my point in this is, is that we're a family. No matter where you are on the scale, there's no one that's better than another. The whole idea is, is that together, we're all moving up. We're all supporting one another. We're all praying for one another. We're, we got each other's back, right? When you come in, it's like, I don't know them, but I know they got my back. I don't know them, I'm gonna go meet them. Because in, in times like this, we need one another. We need our fellow, we can't, we can't just hide. We gotta, we gotta go to church. We gotta be a part of what's going on. We gotta involve ourselves. We gotta invest ourselves. I talked weeks and weeks ago about just being the church, being there for one another, texting somebody. If you, you know, a lot of times the Holy Spirit, he'll drop, drop one person in my, in my heart and I'll just pray for him or I'll, or I'll call him or I'll shoot him a funny text, you know, and just say, hey, thinking about you, you know? Because, because there's a unity there. They're my brother. They're my sister in Christ. I want them to succeed. I want them to, to flourish. I want them to be strong in faith. And if I'm that person that needs to be that, that encouragement to them, I'm going to be that encouragement to them. And when we come to this place, it's a safe place. It's a place of refuge. It's a place where we can worship. It's a place like we just got done doing where we can exalt God in our lives. And so I hope that, 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 that you know that. Because look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians. He can throw it up on the screens. It says, for our present troubles are small. Our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us glory that is vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And so we don't look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that can be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we can't see will last forever. What does that mean? It means that the spiritual well-being of people, those kids, all these kids, did you guys see all these kids? There's well-being. There's the, 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 those, these people, us, we're going to heaven. 
And what we're doing, the work that we're doing, the work of the ministry, re reaching people's lives, helping them grow, that's what this is about. And it has a long-lasting reward, is what it says here. And so it says here in Acts 4, 29, it says, And now the Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. If you read this story prior to they just left my... <laughs> Come on back. <laughs> Who was it? Who was it in this verse of Scripture? I should have wrote it down. <laughs> a couple of disciples, they, uh, uh, they had been persecuted for praying for a guy, and he got healed. I'll just tell you that. Sorry, I lost the words. <laughs> I used to be really good with names, and as I get older, actually I need to start speaking to that. <laughs> but anyway... They, they, they basically had prayed for a guy and he got healed. And these religious leaders and, and, and leaders, they, they, they condemned him. They threw him in jail. But, they, they, but what, what was so cool about it was is that the power of God had worked in their lives and they, they had seen that these guy, this guy got healed. He's standing there. He had, been, he had been paralyzed for 40 years. So they really couldn't argue. But it was the power of God. And, and it says in that verse of scripture that they were, they were just ordinary guys that prayed. They didn't have special training. And the same thing is true for us, that we, can, we, we don't have to be special. We just have to have a relationship with him. We have to know him, know the word, know what it is that he promised us and walk in that. That's all he's asking us to do. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And I just thank you, Father God, for the word that has been sown today. Because we know, Lord, that, that it accomplishes what it has been sent to do, Father. And I know that for some, it's, it's watered. For some, it's planted, Father. But I, we know, Father, that it's you that gives the increase in their lives. And so, Father, I just pray for each and every person here that you would just strengthen them with might by your Spirit in their inward man, Father God, that they would just be strong, Father, and they'd be bold, Father, in this time to walk in what it is that you have promised them as a believer. And I just thank you, Father, for it. And with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to take, you know, take it for granted, but is there anybody in here that maybe you're, just, you're away from God and you want to get right with God? Now would be a good time. Because I mean to tell you, Jesus is coming soon and he wants, he wants us to be in right standing with him. And so if you're that person and you've walked away and you want to get right, just raise up your hand and put it right back down. Is there anybody here? All right, all right. Okay. And is there anybody in here that just wants to give their heart to Christ? Is there anybody in here that has not accepted him as their Lord and Savior? Is there anybody in here? All right, great. Okay, well, I think everybody's in good standing. So Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Father God, that we're going to go forth from here in boldness. We're going to go forth in carrying the power that you have bestowed upon us, the, the authority that you have given to us, looking for opportunities, Father, to share your goodness, share your love with people. And we thank you, Father, for just the great testimonies of life change that are a result of our faithfulness, and our obedience 
in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.